2: folks, welcome back to the ever-popular Doggy Pod <laughs> with me, Dr. Rob Zammett, and... Ever-popular? What, what are you basing that on? Well, I listen to it all the time. Okay. Okay, yeah, that'll do. Okay.
3: Well, that's popular enough. I'm Stephen Peters, Dr. Rob's podcast producer, and um, thanks and man, for listening. Man, great
2: patience, putting up oh, with me. Yeah, tell me
3: about <laughs> it. Now, um, we're actually recording in Dr. Rob's clinic well, there's some birds outside as well today. So you might hear the odd noise in the background or whatever because it's a very busy clinic and there's always animals
2: here. Drop a scalpel here and there. Exactly, and pick exactly. It up. No, we don't do that. No,
3: no, no. Uh, now, with winter not far away, yes. uh, certainly for all the listeners in the southern hemisphere, uh, it's not far away for everybody else. Uh, you've got summer coming on, so just ignore the next five, ten minutes. Um, can your dog get cold or flu? That's very Do you see a dog sniffling? And if well, if you can, can you
2: buy them little throat lozenges and oh, stuff like and that? Oh, get them to suck on that. That part, I'm sure it's you good can. Good luck with that. Anyway, yeah. we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, giving them ready for winter is a very important thing. So we will certainly discuss winter and colds and flus. And you know, do you know that uh, dogs, just like humans, can have heart problems, cardiac yeah, problems, even cardiac arrest sometimes? So like what, a heart attack. Yeah, they. Can, Heart attacks are rarer, but heart problems, not uncommon. So what are the signs? What should you be looking for? Because the earlier you see it and the earlier you can get to a vet, the better it'll be for your dog.
3: So your dog can have a cardiac arrest.
2: Mm. Mm. Uh, Now, our breed of the week this
3: week is a real corker. It's a little bit different, and it's the only breed in the world that starts with the letter U. U, do you know what it is? only one in the world. And, and Dr. Rob doesn't think there's any in Australia at all. But we'll tell you about this breed shortly. Anyway, Rob's a busy man. What's been happening this week in the clinic?
2: Well, we had um, quite a few cases cases of gastroenteritis.
3: <laughs> Articulate Rob. Yes. Pronounce your, your words properly. Always told to do
2: that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of gastroenteritis around our neighbourhood and our city at the moment. We we're based in Sydney. But it, it occurred to me Gastroenteritis occurs as the most common reason that dogs go to a veterinarian. And what can you do really? about the it?
3: Most the reason. most
2: common reason? The most common reason. Well, why is it the most common reason? Um, well, firstly, because what do dogs do when they sniff around? They put their tongues out and lick things. Lick things that they shouldn't at times. Mm. So they pick up all sorts of bugs. That's just what they do. Um, I'm not talking about the dogs that go out and eat poo. Yuck. Um, Because that is a a thing
3: for dogs. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, humans do it, but we do it, we call it probiotics. (laughs) Dogs do it by just eating poo. (laughs) There's lots of probiotics in poo. Cut out the middleman. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, probiotics are just the bacteria, thousands or millions or billions of trillions of bacteria. That's probiotics. And what's in dog poo? Not just that. There's also vitamins and enzymes, but that's not what we're talking about. Mm. We're talking about gastroenteritis. So... Especially when it happens on a Sunday and you can't get to a vet, the only ones are the emergencies, and at the moment you mightn't have the funds for that. What can you do for your dog? The first thing you want to do, of course, is don't feed it. If your dog has a bit of gastroenteritis, just don't feed it. Um, if, but,
3: but how do you know what is it? What, what's it doing?
2: Okay. Well, there will be two. One of two signs. Vomiting is certainly the sign to begin right. with. Most common sign to start with is vomiting. And then it goes to diarrhoea. You know, you, you go to pick up the droppings and you can't because it's just watery and And All you can do is hose it into the lawn, basically, because you can't really pick them up. And your dog's you know, sometimes hunched over. Also, if you look at their gums, if you lip, lift the lips up and have a look at the gums, they're a bit paler. They're not that nice, rich pink colour, but they're almost on the pale side. These are the symptoms. If things are very, very bad, then you've got to get to the emergency vet. If not, the first thing I would do, if it's like a Saturday night, don't feed that night. That's the very first thing. People are always hell bent on, oh, we'll better give them some food. No, do not feed. If you can have them drinking, especially if they can hold some fluids down, great, especially electrolytes. Now, what electrolytes? Look, you can get special veterinary electrolytes. Great to have on hand. Talk to your veterinarian and have those on hand in the cupboard for these moments. Mm. If you don't have any on hand, some of the human ones are fine. You can go out and buy some of the human ones from a pharmacy or even get some of the things that you find in the athletic ones, like Gatorade, and just mix it with some water. Don't give it straight. Just to give them some electrolytes to drink. That's all. And don't let them guts on it. Don't let them put their head in the bowl and just clean up the whole bowl straight away because they like the flavour. Little bits at a time. Otherwise, they're going to vomit again on you. So this
3: is. There's been a lot of them around your your clinic. This, yeah, this we've this seen. And,
2: uh, in fact, pe- vets right around Sydney have been saying, "Yep, yeah, fair bit of the gastroenteritis around the moment." It, it comes mm. in waves. Yeah, people see it all the time in every area of the world in dogs. So the first thing is try and fast them. The second thing is some electrolytes. Mm. Third thing is when you do go to feed them, um, I like to feed them some boiled white rice with some cooked meat. The meat can be chicken meat that's cooked or can be um, minced meat cooked. But you know, the rice, how you cook, it's very important. Oh, I've got a rice steamer. No, don't use a steamer. Put some water in a pot, boil it up with some salt because that's going to add electrolytes again. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the water's boiling, add the rice. Then t- Once it's soft, the rice is really soft, turn it off. Don't wash the rice beforehand and don't r- get rid of the rice water. Keep that rice water all that starch will coat the bowel and help with uh, soothing an inflamed bowel inside your dog. So that mixed with some meat is an ideal diet for a little wife for a dog that has enteritis, that's got diarrhoea. Sometimes just doing those things alone will save your dog a trip to the vet so he's not traumatised. So how
3: long should you leave it for before you decide, oh, I'm going to go to the vet? Like if, if your yeah, dog's if it got it continues, those
2: symptoms? Oh yeah, if it continues in, you know, after 48 hours you might need to think about it. If your dog's very bad straight away you need to think about it. Look for other signs of dehydration. You know, just like us, if you pick their skin up and you let it go, it should just spring back. If the, the skin stays up, it's called tenting. If the, if the skin's forming a tent then it's very dehydrated, off to the vet. Okay. And, uh, but you don't... Just These are the first aid things that I use for my own dogs. uh, Sometimes I will use um, other products like cornflour. I will add some cornflour to the the food because cornflour also binds it up, acts as a binder and slows down the gut, coats it a little bit and adds a bit of anti-inflammatory action to to what you're doing just to get rid of some of that inflammation. If the vomiting is severe, if the... Uh, diarrhoea is severe with blood, get to a vet. But if you need some first aid because you can't get to a vet, these are the sort of things that you can try.
3: So it's possible it could sort itself out in 48 hours? Usually it does. Most of them do.
2: Mm, okay. Most of them will do that. Even some of the anti-diarrheal drugs for humans can be beneficial. Talk to your vet about which ones you should have in your first aid cupboard for your dog and the dose for your particular size of dog. The ones used in infants are very good for small dogs. But yeah, just talk to your veterinarian about any of them that might help you overcome a crisis like this.
3: Alrighty, for all of our listeners in the Southern Hemisphere, it's time to talk about doggy colds and flu. And is that such a thing? And how, well, how would you know that your dog's getting a cold? I mean, they don't, they don't
2: cough like all
3: people. And, and, or a flu. And, and what can you do if, if it does? Well, well, Firstly, is it a thing? Can dogs get a cold or flu?
2: The good news for a lot of countries in the southern hemisphere is uh, the influenza virus, the canine influenza virus, which can be lethal, hasn't sprung up in a lot of countries. It is in America and uh, I think they're finding it through Europe as well. And there's a vaccine, I believe, that has been developed for it. So for the people in the Northern Hemisphere, even though it's coming into summer now, Mm. think seriously about making sure your dog's vaccines are are always up to date, including the one for influenza.
3: See, I don't think a lot of people would have even thought of having
2: a dog for a shot. Well, not here you won't. Mm. But what people will think about is another disease... Commonly called kennel cough, it's a a syndrome Mm. of one of two things, sometimes combined: a virus called parainfluenza virus, and a bug called Bordetella bronchiceptor Sounds funny, but you may have heard of Bordetella. Bordetella pertussis is whooping. (laughs) I've
3: never heard of that. You have
2: whooping cough. Right. Have you heard of whooping cough? Yes, that's Bordetella pertussis. It happens in humans. And the the weird thing is it can cross-infect. Dogs can get some pertussis and certainly humans can get bronchiceptor. So you've got to be careful. If you have a dog that is coughing with this, keep it away from debilitated people that could have a a compromised immune system or young babies and young children because they can pick it up. So be careful of that. The good news with with, uh, the kennel cough syndrome, if you keep your dog warm... Really, that's probably all you need to do. You can reduce the inflammation because the, the upper airways are very inflamed with these diseases, really inflamed, and it's like an irritation of the trachea, the airway, the p- pipe there, and that irritation leads to a cough. So get the inflammation down. You can use a little bit of aspirin or, or paracetamol if you want to, to just get that down. Make sure you get the right dose for the weight of your dog and don't overuse it. That can help. If the coughing is persisting, then off to the vet because the vet might give you some more support with either stronger anti-inflammatories and or antibiotics, very often used for the secondary bacterial infections. And you can use the a dry cough syrup, not one with... Um, what, so for humans? Yeah, human one, and just a little bit of that to help soothe the, the actual irritation of the upper airways, just to get rid of the inflammation. The worst times, if your dog does have this cough, Early mornings and going into the evenings because it's cold. So I think a
3: lot of people don't imagine their dog getting cold,
2: and yet they cough. I mean, when they when they have this disease, when they go out in the morning and breathe in the cold air, Mm. the cold air hitting the upper airway causes real irritation, and they start coughing. Like, look, I've been waking up at at night sometimes. Well, people insist, no, my dog's got something stuck in its throat. That's what it sounds like. He's got mm. something stuck in the throat, especially the medical people. I've had doctors, know it's definitely something stuck in the throat. We've had to take x-rays to prove, no, there's nothing there. It's this kennel cough syndrome, very common, very common. So if you vaccinate for it, they can still get it, but they don't get it as bad. So we've noticed that, that yeah, if you vaccinate for it, your dog can still get kennel cough, but they get over it very, very quickly.
3: But they can't. So they can't get just like a runny nose. or... Oh,
2: I guess <laughs> they can. You do see. You, you tend not to think too, too much no, of it. No. You've got to be careful because if you don't look after your dog with kennel cough and you leave it out in the cold and it keeps getting worse, the inflammation introduces bacteria down into the lungs and you end up with pneumonia. Ah, so it can get to a lethal um, disease if you get pneumonia because, as you know, pneumonia just. It doesn't go away very easily. It doesn't always go away at all. It can kill the patient. So keep them warm. Warmth is king when you've got kennel cough. really does help a lot.
3: So pneumonia is fluid in the lungs, isn't
2: it? Correct. Brought on by bacteria and viruses really attacking the lungs strongly and everything's going bad in the lungs and nothing's getting better. The immune system is not containing it for the dog and the dog needs a lot of support from the outside with antibiotics and other drugs like that. So it's important to make sure your dog stays very warm if it does get kennel cough, and that will avoid the situation escalating into something that's dangerous.
3: So this winter, keep your dog warm.
2: Yeah, now, right now, winter's coming, and people, yeah, the old months, dogs yeah. will certainly be Hiring for your
0: small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: the joint's starting to creak. Oh, I know, really? I know okay. this old dog is, I can promise <laughs> you, every morning. And so I've put myself on a couple of just not even non-steroidal drugs. I'm starting with just some herbal things, hmm. some glucosamine with chondroitin, fabulous stuff.
3: So is that would that be good for, for older dogs? Exactly. To do that? Yeah. But small doses, I'm guessing. Hey, it's good for me, it's good for them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, the other thing is New Zealand green-lipped, muscle Muscle, tablets so those two things combined do a lot I've seen serious improvement on some dogs that especially ones that can't take some of the other heavier drugs because they end up with diarrhea and things and yet these drugs contain them very very well again warmth is king for arthritis but these other drugs support the system very very well now's the time to start because you have got a long leeway uh, time into it so you're going to need sort of six weeks at least so get into it before winter
3: okay we want everybody to just pause the podcast for a second go and give your dog a a bit of a cuddle and a hug and then you can come back and listen to the rest (music) so did you give your dog a hug i hope so um, now, we all know that dogs can get a lot of things that humans can get and, you know, humans unfortunately have things called cardiac arrests where it doesn't end well, usually. Um, is there such a thing in the doggy world, in, in that world of heart problems
2: that dogs have? They can. I mean, they can have a cardiac arrest with now the heart just, for some reason, electrical, bang. electrical usually problems and the heart goes bang and the dog can drop dead but very uncommon. Not, okay. Not that's common. Good. That's dogs good. don't have the cholesterol build up in their arteries the, the way we do, um, which is fabulous for them. Yeah. I need some of their genes yeah, urgently. Same. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have that cholesterol build up in, in the arteries and of, of the heart. And so, cardiac arrest as such as a, a that type of cardiac arrest is very uncommon in dogs. You know, you can you can get. Um, a bit of cartilage that's somewhere broken off and is in the bloodstream and lodges in the main artery to the heart muscle and that could cause a cardiac arrest. So it can happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's not as common as insidious heart failure in dogs, which usually comes from valve degeneration in old age. Young dogs, they can get a lot of the congenital problems yeah. of, 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 that we see in, in just in humans as well. Dogs get the same ones. There's a, there are patent ducts that stay open sometimes in dogs. There are all sorts of ligaments that should dissolve away. You now The persistent aortic arch that should dissolve away in the foetus stays and causes problems. Um, and there's lots of electrical components that can go wrong, just like they do in humans. With, oh. with humans, they get firing off of the electrical nodes and... The top part of the heart, the atrium, fibrillates in it. it it's virtually, um, I guess it's like you're being tickled in the heart, but it hurts a lot.
3: What, what would people notice with their dog if there's...
2: Mostly what they're going to see is um, a dog that has, goes into slow heart failure, valve failure. And the first thing, if you watch carefully, you'll see that little bit of decrease in exercise tolerance. The dog just puffs out very quickly. Oh. You know, if you're used to throwing the ball for the dog, yeah, not so much, he says. I can do it you know, half a dozen times and that's going to do me. I used to do it 10 times, 20 times when I was young. But so uh, that's, that's not just old age
3: necessarily. It could well, be something
2: else. It, it, it's often a sign of valves going in the heart. And right. so the valves aren't, aren't allowing to, the blood to flow through the whole circulatory system correctly. You might notice a tummy starting to blow up a little bit. It's not just because the dog's eaten too much and has a fat in the abdomen. It may be a little bit of fluid. You may notice a cough. Cough's probably one of the most common symptoms that we get presented with because people don't see the decrease in exercise tolerance. So the dog develops a bit of a cough. We often see heart um, valve problems during routine yearly examinations. People say haven't noticed a thing wrong with you, Mike, what are you telling me? Mm. No, you, your dog's heart's going, it's got valve problems and they're a bit shocked because the changes are so slow and subtle over a long period of time How, how do you pick it up though? We pick it up through a stethoscope listening, okay. just listening to the heart and we can hear the valves um, making the wrong sound. Now there are certain sounds that we learn that are normal in dogs, mm. uh, just like they are in people and when the heart is going when the valves are going it's a whooshing sound that goes uh-huh. and you think oh, oh we're in trouble and there are grades of these heart murmurs it's called a heart murmur and their grade starts from you know, grade one through to grade six and if you pick it up early and start some therapy it slows down the rate of degeneration so this is why it's important to watch the signs if you if you get to the stage where the tongue's a bit blue just on a blue hue it's usually an advanced stage of heart problems. The, the uh, gums are pale, often a bit of an advanced stage. So just watch the signs. And the main one for people to watch probably is exercise tolerance. Mm, and the other okay. thing to do, rather than to watch, go and get the person to listen that knows, your veterinarian. Take oh, them those there. Guys, yes. Once <laughs> a year, once a year, get your dog checked. Do so that. that's what everybody should do, shouldn't oh, they? Oh, absolutely. Once a year. I mean, you, you should be doing it with yourself and not ignoring your health. Mm, mm. Now, once a year, maybe twice a year, go to the doctor. Certainly dogs should be going once a year to have the vet listen to the heart. And if it's bad, I have people that come every three months just to have that. Yeah. Mm. Is it, has it got worse, doc? Is it getting better? Do we and Because there's a whole host of drugs that we can use.
3: And catch it early, maybe.
2: Catch it early. We might just start with a drug to help the blood flow. Keep going and we might <clears throat> give some fluid tablets, some bronchodilators... Uh, some drugs even to slow the heart down because when the heart starts to fail like anything, the heart you know, has, it has to, to pump. work harder. So it works harder and yeah. it works faster and what it's supposed to do is contract, push the blood out, relax the blood goes in the heart, contract, push the blood out. If it's pumping too fast even you know, it, it doesn't have time to fill and that's when things are starting to really go bad. Like if it's mm. pumping so fast that it has no filling time, we give a drug called digoxin, which digitalis, it just slows the heart down a bit and allows it to pump more efficiently. That's essential.
3: So, so you, you, I like this idea that you know everybody should bring their dog in once a year, even if, it's, even if it's sort of looking completely happy and healthy. It's just a good thing to do. What would be the things that you would do during one of those sorts of just annual checkups,
2: discuss vaccinations. Um, you know, some people don't want their dog vaccinated every year. They, anti-vaxxers or whatever. Mm. But yeah, that's fine. Um, some authorities are saying that not every dog needs vaccination every year, and that's true. The problem is you don't know when your vaccine runs out in your dog. You know, when the, the antibodies yeah, aren't being yeah. done. So, it, some pe- a lot of people will have blood taken from their dog to have that teeter test to make sure that they are covered for parvo and distemper and hepatitis and at that time you take some blood and check the kidneys and the liver because there's other organs that can go very easily so you know, that did, comes from the blood test yeah we did that with molly not that long ago where we check mm-hmm. everything in her yeah because Little Molly's very precious to us. Uh, she's, <laughs> she's our very, mascot.
3: She's very old too. Yeah,
2: and <laughs> so we check her regularly and she thinks, oh, don't, don't take me to the vet again. He keeps taking blood. but oh, She you know, loves coming to Dr Rob. Not. Um, no, she does. She does actually. No, she does. She, but yeah, we, we, we're just checking those sort of things. We look at their teeth because mm. if the teeth are bad, then that's not just gives you bad breath, it gives you bacteria. The, that smell is bacteria in your mouth which goes into your bloodstream, which knocks out things like heart valves and causes a bad Mm. heart, or kidneys and causes kidney failure or other things. So keep the teeth clean. We check their ears, their eyes. Do they have cataracts? All those sort of things. Mm. We check their pulse. Is their pulse strong? That tells us how efficient the heart is. If the pulse is weak, that heart muscle's not doing its work properly. What's wrong? And we also check for the nasties. Are there any tumours?
3: Yeah, so you'd give it a good feel. Exactly. So this would take, what, 15, 20 minutes or so? Yeah, that's about it, yeah. And, and then and hopefully and you can walk out of there knowing your Your, your dog's fine. Yeah.
2: Good for another year. See you in 12 months.
3: All right, has anybody thought of what that dog of the week is, what breed it is, starting with <laughs> you, the only dog breed that we know of, anyway, starting with you. Um, anyway, it is a Eutonigan. Of course it is. <laughs> a eutonigan. <laughs> what else would it be? Have you ever I've never heard of a eutonigan, but there is
2: a breed called
3: a eutonigan. Yeah. And Dr. Rob is about to tell it, us a it, bit more.
2: It's not for the pedigree people that you know want that defined pedigrees all over FCI and ANKC and all these other anachronisms that we use, Um, (laughs) it's not in that group yet. But i I tell you what, I think it could be because it's a very beautiful-looking dog.
3: You're toning it.
2: They look more wolf-like than any other dog I've ever seen. But you said there's none in Australia. I've not seen, I've not heard of any in this country. They they come as a cross between an Alaskan Malamute, a Siberian Husky and German Shepherd. That's how they started. But they're breeding quite true now so they could get them registered. A pedigree dog is a dog that, um, you know, the, the parents breed a litter and they look like the parents. Yes. Uh, yes. Crossbreeds tend not to do that. This cross has been going on for a few years, quite a few years now. Very friendly dogs. They're, you yeah, know, lovely natured dogs, from what I've heard, and, and also spoken to a few people uh, that have owned them, mm. and they said, you know, they love them because they're just such a friendly dog. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see there's certainly enough of them in uh, north america and a few other countries i think there's a few in england and
3: what color coat do they have
2: wolf like coat the you know, that uh, wolf sable is the one's ah, i've seen okay. where they have that light colored tan around the face mm. and but the darker area and a slightly fluffier coat a bit like a malamute type you know longer coat not short like a german shepherd but a bit longer than that um, but they have been pretty much all of them bred for temperaments, and so they're, they're trying to breed a good, friendly dog, big dog. They're not a small dog. Mm. And uh, if you're thinking of um, buying one, well, if you're in the country that doesn't have any, you're going to have to import the first pair.
3: So would that be a problem for you if somebody somehow managed to get one and you know brought it into you to have a bit of a look at? Mm-hmm. You would. It's just a dog to you,
2: still, isn't it? A dog is a dog is a dog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love dogs. Full stop. So yeah, end of story. They're yeah. all canines to me. I don't care if they're crossbreds or whatever. We own both. We own pedigree dogs. We own crossbreed dogs. Mm.
3: Um, I'd like to get one just to be walking with it down at the park and people say, what sort of dog is that? Wolf, and, a wolf. No, it's so a Utonigan. You say a tonigan and just watch their face sort of plays <laughs> over and then walk away. Yeah,
2: that's what one looks like. I've always wondered.
3: <laughs> well, now we all know there is a dog breed starting, starting with, with you. you. All right, that just about wraps up another, another earth-shatteringly good episode of the Doggy Pod.
2: Absolutely, be ever popular. <laughs> I like and, the way you say that. And folks, just remember: if you haven't spent ten minutes a day with your dog, then you're a cranky old bugger. <laughs> uh,
3: and do remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And in fact, uh, we're going to be posting very soon some. Um, Training videos of Dr. Rob and um, and Augie.
2: August is doing really well. Our Oggy, yep. puppy. He is doing really well. So he's yeah,
3: he's he's getting trained up rather rather well, isn't he? I'm very happy with the way yeah. his
2: progress already. I think we'll be in trials,
3: yeah, probably oh, before nine yeah, months of age. Getting a little bit cocky there. Anyway, yeah. we'll post some stuff of um, of Augie learning the rules uh, on Instagram, and we'll see you all next time.
0: Bye now.